Good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us for the 10-day Torah challenge, and welcome to our third lesson. I'll share a five-minute Torah thought. I'll be happy to remain on the line to answer any questions you may have following the lesson. You may also email me any questions or any comments that you may have. This is a 10-day challenge, and today is the third day. Stick with it for all 10 days. I commend you for your commitment. <clears throat> Let's get started right away. We have a lot to cover today in five minutes. The Torah begins with the creation narrative, as we discussed. It continues with the flood. It continues with various other biblical personalities until we reach Abraham. Abraham is described by many as the first Jew. God forges an everlasting covenant with Abraham. And what's interesting is that the Torah chooses to highlight a few particular stories that, about Abraham's experience. And some of them that seem to be irrelevant at first glance to his personality and to who he became, the father of the Jewish people. Let's take a, a look first at the earlier biblical personalities to understand the difference between them and Abraham. The Torah starts off with the story of Adam and Eve. They eventually eat from the tree of knowledge. But what happens is very interesting because when God comes to them and asks them, why did you eat from the tree? Adam turns and blames Eve. God turns to Eve and Eve turns and blames the snake. They don't take responsibility. They don't take personal responsibility for their behavior. A short while later, we have Cain and Abel. Cain killed his brother Abel. When God comes and asks him, where is your brother Abel? What does, God, what does Cain respond? He says, am I my brother's keeper? Again, not taking responsibility for his behavior. We go a little bit further down the line. We have Noah. Noah was a righteous man. He was faithful to God. He was the one that was saved from the flood with his, him and his family. But he didn't take any collective responsibility. The commentaries tell us that he didn't go out of his way to help save the people of his generation and to warn them. Abraham, on the other hand, is the first one that's described as taking personal and collective responsibility. When his shepherds and those of, the sh of his nephew Lot have a quarrel and get into an argument, he doesn't say, it's your business, go work it out yourself. He steps in and he tries to, without assigning any blame, tries to find a solution. When later Lot is in the wrong place at the wrong time and eventually gets captured as a prisoner of war, Abraham doesn't ignore that. He takes his people and he wages war, literally putting his life in, 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 in danger in order to save his nephew Lot. When the people of Sodom, objectively wicked people, when they were deemed for worthy of destruction by God, what does Abraham do? He doesn't allow it to happen. He tries as much as he can. He argues, literally, argues with God in order to stop trying to stop the destruction from taking place. So we see a very strong, very clear contrast between the first earlier people that are described in the Torah and Abraham. Abraham is the first to take personal and collective responsibility. But take this a little bit further. The covenant between the parts is described where God and Abraham forges everlasting con commitment to one another. But what's interesting is that God in this covenant promises Abraham that your children will be descended, your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs, and afterwards they will go forth with great possessions. He tells them about the fact that they will be strangers and slaves in a strange place, and he promises them that they will become wealthy in the process. The question is, why is it so important that they should become wealthy, and if, it, it, how does that alleviate the exile? I'd rather forget the exile 
and don't give me the wealth. I'll skip the whole thing. But this wealth seems so central that not only is Abraham promised this, when God sends Moses to save the Jewish people from Egypt, he mentions the wealth there too. When the Jewish people actually leave Egypt, it's emphasized once again that they went out with great wealth. They emptied out Egypt of all of its wealth. Even after the splitting of the sea, it's hinted to that there was collecting wealth from the Egyptians at the sea as well. Why is it such an important message? Spare me the exile, spare me the wealth. I don't need it. But what's interesting is the commentaries explain that a land that is not theirs, is a, the term that's used, is a somewhat awkward way of putting it. It could have been much more clear. But this actually hints to us that there was actually a benefit, some type of benefit that came out from their experience in Egypt. And in fact, many commentaries point to the experience of the exile in Egypt as a preparation for receiving the Torah and going to the land of Egypt. They're going to the land of Israel, sorry. So we, we see the idea of, of getting a benefit. And in fact, the mystics explain that there's godly sparks in every area of the world, including in the land of Egypt. And the Jewish people going there was to, in order to elevate those godly sparks. In our personal lives, we, have sometimes, we sometimes experience frustrations and challenges, and we could get carried away and get upset by it. Rather, this message in this week's, from this topic that we discussed today is to take responsibility for our reaction to the challenges that we face. Instead of getting frustrated, realize that there could be a benefit, and there is a benefit if we take the responsibility to find it. Thank you for joining.